Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? This end in along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orbit down in front of shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps win life here in game five! Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by John Press. How are you doing, John? I'm doing tremendously well. How are you? I'm good. You've been enjoying these uh, few days here without Caps hockey? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, given me an opportunity to um, do other things with my evenings. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't mind a, a few days off, and hopefully uh, more than that, hopefully the team's taking the time to get a little healthier, get a little more rested, get a little refocused and, uh, you know, get ready for a, a push down the stretch or, you know, maybe not even that big a push down the stretch, but ready for what comes next. Now, did, did you get an early start on this break like the Capitals did? Did you turn <laughs> off that Carolina game a little bit early or, or what were we looking at? You know what? I, I said, uh, I think I said in Slack, I said, I've seen enough or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I usually I usually keep it on uh, just to see if, uh, you know, anybody murders anybody or whatever. So uh, and I mean, OV goals are always a treat. So, uh, you know, I keep it on for that. And especially against a team like that where things could get. A little feisty, um, you know. It's worth uh, it's worth keeping on just to see where things go and uh, that kind of thing. So I, I did keep it on, um, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a discouraging effort to say the least. Now I know we all have, uh, or you and I, I think both have a fond spot for Eric Tolsky. But besides that, I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes are—they feel like they're kind of becoming like a a top three or four rival for the Capitals now. I mean, where do they kind of rank on your rivalry list? Yeah, I think they're, they're right up there. I, I mean, I think right at the moment, they're number two. May, I mean, maybe, maybe you put them at three behind the Rangers because of the amount of history that's there. But I mean, you know, th- throughout the history, throughout the Caps history, uh, there's an obvious number one and then you know i think that to me the flyers and rangers um obviously more so back in the late 80s and on um but the rangers through through the lundquist ovechkin battles and everything um they've been right there but uh 
you know, to me, Carolina, it, it, you know, certainly right now, I, I think that they're they're right there. They're a team that, um, you know, typically the Caps get up for and play well against. They, I think they took three out of four from Carolina this year, that last game notwithstanding. Um, you know, they had that playoff series a couple years ago. Uh, obviously, that didn't go the Caps' way. Uh, and I think there's there's enough bad blood between them and the proximity and everything that, uh, yeah, I do think it's a good rival. I mean, I don't think there's any question that the Caps are the, the Canes' biggest rivals. And, you know, the Canes seem, from their social media, through their coach, through their players, through their fans, they seem a little bit... Um, little bit obsessed with the caps uh but um you know i, I think that that um that uh, that the it's it's a little bit it's reciprocal to it to an extent i'd also uh i also would add the islanders to that earlier group of uh, teams i mentioned uh with the rivalry but um i mean kane's clearly in the top five um and at the current moment, I would say they're they're probably top three. What do you think? Yeah, I got the Penguins one. I probably got it's tough. I mean, in terms of like you know last few years, it's definitely then I think the like I put the Hurricanes then next, uh, just because it's kind of been cooler recently with the Rangers. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the Panarin Wilson thing aside, right? Um, you know, and, and then you got to throw probably I'd have uh, Philly at four uh, behind those two. So. Uh, you do have the Islanders, though, uh, you know, with trots and with the playoff series. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, they're they on the list, so. Yeah, I guess I just. And, I mean, really, I, I don't know. I mean, little dark horse, the Bruins are a little bit of a dark horse, I think. Uh, dark horse rival for the Caps, but, you know, not to the extent of those other teams. I, I there are a lot that. of fucking loathsome teams <laughs> in the Eastern Conference, <laughs> and yeah. uh, a, a lot of them the Caps have played and uh, lost to in key moments recently, uh, and some of them they've they've beaten in key, key moments uh, recently. So I, I like those games against Boston a lot more when when Holpe was in the net and he went you know what was like twenty straight appearances without a loss to the Bruins. Yeah, he was he was awesome. Yeah, so that that was always a bit. Uh, that, that was fun. I was sad when that ended. Um, but kind of getting get, getting more to what we're seeing on the ice, uh, the Capitals had a, you know, a, a bit more activity than, than I expected on the trade deadline. Um, no, they did not kind of shake the foundation. Um, but, but I was surprised to see kind of some nostalgia creep back into the Capitals' decision-making. Uh, what are your thoughts on their deadline day deals? Well, I, I don't think, I mean, obviously they were small. Um, uh, they, I, I don't know that it was necessarily nostalgia creeping in or anything. I mean, they didn't go bring back Jay Beagle or something. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was a guy that they saw at a price that they were okay with. And, uh, you know, a guy that they were familiar with. Uh, so, uh, you know, I guess you could call it nostalgia, but what it really is is familiarity and the devil you know uh, versus the devil you don't. And uh, I think they kind of know what they're they're going to get from Marcus uh, Johansson, and you know I think they're probably getting it right now. Uh, I, I, I think uh, I wasn't thrilled with that move, but you know uh, it's a depth move. The reality of it is that um, 
you know, you look at this team and uh, they're, they're going to be a long shot to do anything in the playoffs, right? I mean, they're going to, uh, in all likelihood, draw, uh, finish in a wild card spot. I, I don't think they're going to catch the Rangers um, and certainly not the Penguins or the Hurricanes. Um, and so that most likely means Carolina or Florida in the first round. And those are two excellent teams. So, you know, you got to wonder, you know, how many chips do you push into the pot when you, when you're facing that, you know, do you go big and grab a dude who's going to maybe push your odds of winning that playoff series, that first round series from 35% to 40%, you know, is that really worth giving up? maybe a first round pick and a prospect for, you know? Uh, so to me, what they did was they said, okay, the, the best chance we have at beating one of these teams is to uh, focus on our defensive play, buckle down, get a little deeper where we can and, um, you know, hope to turn the games into coin flips and, you know, maybe you win four out of seven uh, coin flips. They they certainly did in, uh, you know, talking about Holpe and the Bruins, you know, in Holpe's first year with Dale Hunter. Uh, they, they did that against the Bruins. They, they were not the better team um, uh, throughout the regular season. But they got into a situation where you're playing 2-1 games. And uh, anybody can win two one games, you know. Uh, th- th- those are coin flips, and they almost coin flip their way through the second round uh, against the Rangers. They lost in seven. So I think that's sort of the the blueprint for what they're doing here. And it's hard to blame them because it's um, it's reality. It's you know this team is what it is when they're playing well when they're healthy. They can play against anyone and play with anyone and beat anyone. But, uh, you know, they can also lose to just about anyone. And, uh, you know, playing seven games against, uh, you know, four to seven games against a Carolina or a Florida, uh, it's a tall task to ask the Caps to to win four times. Um, So, you know, I think they kept their powder relatively dry while not uh, completely – uh, folding and um, it makes sense. I, I'm a little surprised with that strategy in mind that they didn't go get uh, a cheap defenseman that could play because, uh, frankly, right now I don't think that Michael Kempney can. And uh, you know, hopefully Trevor Van Riemsdyk's back real soon because. Uh, but you know, I, I say real soon. It, it it doesn't really matter, right? Like we're. Where the Caps are almost as locked into a playoff spot and, a, and an exact seating as any team in the NHL. I mean, I I don't know what, uh, and I, maybe I'll look this up, but uh, you know the the likelihood that any team finishes in a specific spot, you know, one through eight in the conference, or you know, the wild card uh, one through three in their division. Uh, I bet the Caps right now have are most likely to finish where they are of any team in in the playoff picture. I, I can't imagine anyone. I mean, maybe Colorado finishing first in their division, I guess, would would be uh, more likely. But other than that, I think you know, I think the Caps are locked and loaded. So you know, it's time to 
maybe take the gas off the uh, the foot off the gas and uh, rest some guys up, focus on some things, try some things, and get ready for uh, trying to to face one of those top teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you've been saying on Twitter and, and, and writing about the kind of load management. Is is that what you're seeing from the Capitals right now? Or are you, with Ovechkin specifically, it looks like his ice time's kind of started to drop off. And it's not, uh, I think you, you did what everyone really wanted to know. How much is this hurting his chase of Gretzky? And, and it wasn't wasn't too, too bad. No, it's not too, too bad. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the post is up on the site. Um, and uh, essentially, uh, it's a post talking about how load management, uh, which is just kind of a fancy word for saying giving old guys some rest. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it's it's widely accepted and practiced in the NBA. Um, it, not so much in the NHL. You know, you, you'll see guys sit the last game of a season or something like that, last two games maybe when their playoff spots locked and loaded. But uh, you don't really see it in the NHL um, like you do in the NBA. But, um, you know, if there was ever a time to do it, it would be the Caps right now uh, because of what we talked about, about how locked in they are to their their spot in the the playoffs. And, um, you know, they're not going to sit Ovechkin, obviously. This guy is um, chasing Gretzky's record. Uh, and the only way that he's going to willingly sit out games is if if there's an all-star game around. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, it, but, you know, there are other ways to, to manage load, maybe not quite as effectively, but, uh, you know, in that post, we I looked at um, his ice time by uh, segment of the season, and uh, they've played 68 games so far. In the first 34 games, half the season, he was averaging – uh, 16 minutes of uh, five-on-five ice time per game. And uh, over the last 17 games, which is a quarter of the season so far, he's down to just over 13 minutes a game. So that's almost a three-minute uh, reduction in his ice time. I think his total ice time is down about 17% right now from uh, in this last segment from where it was for the first half of the season, which, of course, you'll recall he was – uh, carrying the entire team on his back because the entire second line was out. So, um, you know, it doesn't sound like much, you know, three fewer minutes per night. But uh, for if a guy's averaging 21 minutes, then uh, reducing it by three minutes a night, every, every seven games, you're get, getting like a game off, essentially, you know. So uh, it, it's not quite the the full rest because there are things – you know, you're still taking morning skates or warm ups or whatever, and you're still preparing the same way you would for uh, a 21 minute game. You know, when you're playing 18 minutes or whatever. Uh, but it, it's a reduction. You know, that's that that's fewer shots he's taking. That's fewer hits he's taking. It's fewer hits he's dishing out. It's it's less, a little less of everything. And you know, when you reach the age that he's at, it, you know. A little less of everything can't hurt. And, you know, what do they miss from from uh, reducing those minutes? Uh, it's it's not much. It's like a goal every 17 games or something like that. I, I think it was. I forget. I forget exactly what it was. But, you know, don't worry. He's still playing almost the exact amount of time on the power play. All his reduction is coming 
uh, basically a five on five. And that's, you know, that's what you would want to see with this team is uh, a, a team where you can roll four lines. And uh, th- there have been stretches of this season where the fourth line, you know, the nominal fourth line with Dowd and Hathaway has been their best line. I mean, and not just like a game here and there, but like legit stretches of the season. And so if you could get to a point where you're a Vetkin Kuznetsov line and your Backstrom Mantha Oshie line and your, you know, McMichael, Eller, Sherry, or whatever your third line is going to be, and then your fourth line, uh, with Dowd and uh, Hathaway it, are, are all playing pretty even minutes at four at five on five. Uh, I think that's what you want to see. And I think that's as close as you're going to really get to load management on this team or maybe even in the NHL. Um, and, you know, I, that that's probably the best that we can hope for and a, a realistic um way to manage those minutes i mean you got guys your some of your other old guys like backstrom and oshi their man, minutes have been managed by virtue of injury right uh by missing huge swaths of the season so um you know ostensibly they should have gas in the tank so uh i guess we'll see but yeah the uh the reduction in minutes the kind of tightening up of the spread of who's playing what uh is welcome uh i think we could still see uh a lot more uh uh, from connor mcmichael in terms of the ice time he's given not more from him he's i think he's doing uh rather well in the minutes he's given i think he could play more minutes but uh obviously he's a guy who is almost exclusively playing at fives um so but but by and large uh the spread is pretty good right now i think you know, with Ovi getting less minutes and, and Mojo being a new face in the team, uh, what did you think about? Well, I guess it's kind of independent from Ovechkin's minutes, but what do you think about um, when that when they traded back for Marcus? I mean, they put him right on the first line off the get go, which was surprising to me because, as you said, he's kind of more of a depth player at this point. I mean, it, it was a depth move, but it doesn't always necessarily feel that way if if the guys get in top line minutes. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I think that, uh, and I think this is what uh, Peter Laviolette said, was that he threw him out there with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov because he knows those guys. He's played with them before, and uh, there's some familiarity there. Um, I don't think that's where he's destined to be, and I you know, I, I think by, by last game, uh, y- you saw him off that line and Tom Wilson back up there. And um, so where he ultimately ends up, uh, remains t- to be seen. Um, but now is the time to be trying things and fi- trying to find something that clicks and something that works. And uh, certainly they like Ovechkin and Kuznetsov together. Uh, I do too. Um, I- I'm not a huge fan of Ovechkin and Backstrom together at this point. Um, so uh, the question is, who's the right wing on that line? You know, Is it Tom Wilson? Is it Marcus Johansson? Is it... Uh, who knows it, who it is, you know, maybe it's Oshi. maybe it, they've tried Sherry there, maybe it's Sherry, it, you know, they'll, they'll figure out, uh, hopefully what works best. And, you know, uh, I think they're pretty set on their second line and they're set with, uh, most of their fourth line. Uh, I, I don't know that, uh, Janssen Fialbi is there once everybody gets healthy, especially with, uh, 
Johan Larson in the mix, um, presumably someday. So, um, you know, we'll see. But now is the time to kind of play around with it. So heading down the stretch, are you more concerned with the process or the results? Uh, definitely the process, because I don't think that the results, uh, one way or one way or the other are really going to change anything. You know, they have, I think 14 games left. Uh, obviously they run the table in those 14 and they're going to be, uh, they, they may get out of that wild card spot. Um, they drop those 14 and literally probably are still in the wild card spot barring, uh, you know, one of these, uh, other teams kind of really getting hot, but they, you know, uh, it, it, to me, it, it is about process. It is about, um, looking good and, uh, getting an understanding of what they need to do to be successful. Even if those results, uh, don't come, you know, I, I think that they've gotten a little loose, um, recently, uh, they were, they were a little, uh, better, um, for, for most of March, but, um, you know, there, there's some things that are bubbling up that are, uh, of some concern. I didn't think they were great against the doubles. I didn't think they were great against the blues and, uh, you know, Vitek Vanacek hasn't been great in his last uh, seven or eight starts. And, um, it, you know, to be sure, a lot of that falls on the defense in front of him. But he also hasn't been uh, as sharp as he had been earlier on. So, you know, it's another place where you look at load management. And actually, the only place in the NHL where that concept seems to have actually gotten a foothold is uh, with goalies, right? Like uh, a couple years ago, uh, you know, not even 10 years ago, Braden Holpe started 72 games for the Caps, right? And he, he came in in relief in another, I think he had 73 appearances in one year. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, goalies are uh, getting a lot more rest than that. And it makes sense. And uh, if Vitek Vanacek needs a little more rest uh, down the stretch, I, I'm fine with that. Whatever is going to put, I mean, I, I think he's clearly established himself as this team's number one goalie uh, when the playoffs start for right now. Uh, that is subject to change. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, whatever is going to make him, it, allow him to be his best in that uh, game one of the playoffs, I'd work towards right now, whether that's playing every single game the way out, uh, on the way out, playing every other game, playing, you know, whatever it is, uh, they need him to be as sharp as possible. Otherwise they really don't have a chance. You know, uh, he's gotta be a guy or, or Samsonov if he gets a, a shot, uh, they've gotta be guys who, um, don't lose games for them at an absolute minimum, but, um, you know, hopefully can steal one or two here or there. Yeah, I mean, as we've said multiple times on the on the podcast before, the Capitals aren't aren't quite in the place where they were five years ago, where they just need that kind of break even goaltender. Right. Um, you know, they'll probably need a game or two um, if their goal is to you know make it out of out of the first round or or, or anything beyond that. Um, like I guess if the goalies you know uh, break even in one in one one round, anything can happen. But after that. Um, they'll need a bit more, especially with, um, you know, I'm looking at 
Micah Blake McCurdy's great site, HockeyViz.com, and and Carolina is the number one opponent, as you said, 36%. Mm-hmm. Florida at 31, Toronto at 11, the Rangers at 10. Um, to bring this conversation full circle, we, we, we've talked about kind of the Caps-Carolina rivalry. Uh, who do you think the better matchup is for the Caps if they're up against one of those two teams, Carolina or Florida? Uh, I, I think I'd take Carolina. Um, just largely because, I mean, first of all, the Caps have played them well this year. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. They played them well uh, in 2019 during the regular season, too, and then uh, lost in the playoffs in the first round. So, um, you know, I I think that the familiarity with Carolina is a good thing if your coach is actually good. And if Peter Laviolette is actually a good coach, then uh, the familiarity should be a uh, a benefit to him. Now, of course, that cuts both ways. You know, Rod Brindamore has seen plenty of the caps, and uh, he seems to uh, seems to be a good coach uh, himself. But uh, you know, Florida is a, to me a lot more of an unknown, and um, you know that they're a prolific offensive team. Uh, you know, their goalies had some issues in the playoffs in the past. So maybe that makes you want to, to play them a little bit. And, uh, maybe there is a little less drama involved in playing them and you can go out and just play hockey and not focus on, uh, the other team's coach whining about you hitting their players or uh, whatever, or whining about the calls he's not getting or whining about this or that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think I'd rather, uh, the caps play Carolina, but either way, they're going to be massive underdogs and it's going to be a huge, huge task to, uh, to face and try to beat one of those teams, which, which would you rather face? Uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, you know, Carolina is, um, to, I mean, they're a really good team. Uh, I, 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 I have liked what I've seen from the Capitals most of the time, uh, when they matched up against Carolina, I actually think it's been some of their better games of the season, uh, last matchup, notwithstanding, uh, the full, they, the games that, that stand out to me against Florida is the one where they blew that big lead. Um, yeah. That, that was kind of right before the Capitals, or maybe it was the game that directly preceded their their big drop-off in play. Um, really, the, the only reason that I would prefer Florida, which I actually do think I'd still prefer Carolina, but it is that goaltending question. Um Leaky goals are, are backbreakers. You, you, last time you were on, you talked about them relative to the Caps, and I think there's a good chance that Florida will give up some of those in the playoffs. And it's um, everything being so amplified. Uh, you know, Florida put a put a hell of a good show on last year. They, they scored a lot of goals, uh, you know, despite um, everything. But goaltending, you need average goaltending to win and i'm not sure that florida is going to get that so um actually i i think i would rather have the caps play florida but i all right it's 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 a very tough call though for me i i think you you pinpointed it by the way i mean the caps uh at the end of november they were 13 3 and 5 uh they beat florida at home to go to 14 
uh, I guess, to, to 13, 3 and 5. Uh, then they beat Carolina on the road to go to 14, 3 and 5. And then uh, the next night, I think it was, right? Was it back to back nights? No, I guess it was two nights later. Uh, they're, they're in Florida. They're up 4 1 after two periods. And they give up four straight goals to to Florida and lose in uh, regulation. Yeah. Just, just absolutely brutal. Um, that that was a a late Blake uh, Beck Malenstein penalty that puts Florida on the power play and they score with 15 seconds left. And really, like if you look at, and I had written about this in maybe February, uh, but that that game that was you pinpoint you pinpointed it that is when uh shit turned in the wrong direction and you know maybe it's a coincidence a lot of other things happened too you know they started missing dudes with uh covid and this that and the other thing but like the the line the way things dropped off a cliff uh basically after two periods on that game on november 30th and didn't get right until literally like march uh to the beginning of march um yeah i I mean that that got um that got brutal fast moment that mattered yeah yeah exactly right (laughs) but though it's going to be an interesting stretch for washington here i mean they've got They've got a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. I mean, we yeah. really get to see how their process is going to look, assuming the Capitals play that way, assuming they try to get into the right rhythm, because they, they could, at least for until maybe there's five games left, just start pulling every lever they can, you know, uh, mix and match, see, see what works, what doesn't. Do I think they'll do that? Absolutely not. But that'd be no. pretty interesting if they did. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because for for so many years, we, we talked about how... Uh, the Caps uh, being in the Southeast Division, uh, the last month of the season really didn't matter to them, right? And and how it appeared that they couldn't just flip the switch come playoff time and and get back on track uh, and turn turn things back on again. Um, but this is going to be a last, you know, three weeks or whatever where uh, they where they don't really have that much standings wise to play for but there's a lot to play for you know there there's guys fighting for positions when if if god willing they get healthy you know who's going to be which forward is going to be the odd man out you know is it going to be you know Lars Eller is it going to be uh Connor McMichael I I hope not uh is it going to be Marcus Johansson did they just trade for a dude and pay for the honor of scratching him. They could, they could have scratched Daniel Sprong forever for free, you know? Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they round, uh, into, sh- into shape, uh, hopefully over, over the next month or a little less than a month. And, um, you know, really gear up for what's going to be a a tough, tough road to hoe in the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's been a while since the Capitals have even gotten out of the first round, and um, maybe maybe this is this is their chance. Um, but what do you think, John? I guess this is really my last question for you, unless there's other stuff you want to touch on because we're already at about thirty minutes. Will the Capitals win a round in the playoffs this year? Um. It, odds are that they won't. Uh, 
and uh, you know whoever they end up playing is going to probably be at least a 60-40 favorite to win, uh, maybe closer to 70-30, uh, depending on how things shake out the rest of the way down the stretch. And, um, you know, those are long odds, but they're not impossible odds. You know, you know, if you get a hit three times out of every 10 times you come to play to in, in the majors, uh, you're probably an all-star. So like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, so you're it, telling me they're going to do a good job, even if they're 30%. I'm telling you there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you that, uh, anything can happen. Um, this isn't the best caps team we've ever seen heading into a playoffs. Um, it's probably not the worst caps team. I mean, the, the reality, uh, about this Caps team, it's a little deceptive, right? Because um, they're locked into the seventh, probably eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, And that might make you think that they're mediocre or that they, you know, even stink. Uh, But that's certainly not the case. I mean, they would probably be the third or fourth best team in the Western Conference right now. And um, the East just happens to be super stacked and uh, uh unfortunately for the caps uh they're not and uh are they a good team yeah they're, they're a good team um are they a great team no are they a top tier team they're not um but they're a good team and you know good teams can win playoff games sometimes so uh i i wouldn't give up all hope at all um but am I going to pick them to win a round in the playoffs? Uh, let's tell you what. Why don't I come and talk to you again to preview the playoff series, and I'll make my prediction then. All right, I like it. I thought you were going to say just read that playoff round table, but I, I, I think it'll be good to have you on to talk about it then. I'll come back and talk about it. Uh, all right. John, it's always fun to have you on, buddy. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting time for the Caps, and I'm sure it's an interesting time for our listeners as well. Um, everyone can follow you at Japers rink. Anything you want to plug specifically today? Nope. I'm good. All right. On behalf of myself and John press, thanks for listening to this episode of Japers rink radio.